Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. This podcast shares the personal journeys of Tummy Team clients as they restore their core and pursue being strong to be pain-free and connected for the life they were meant to live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey podcast. This is Kelly Dean from the Tummy Team. And we have a really exciting interview for you guys today with one of our online clients, Rebecca. And uh, Rebecca has, you know, a pretty extensive story. Um, And I think it's something that many of our mothers will relate to. um, And I'm excited to hear a little bit more about it. Hi, Rebecca. How are you doing? Hi, I am good. How are you? Good. Um, Rebecca has her little um, little boy William on her lap, and he's super cute. So it's a little distracting for me, but he's been a he's been a part of this podcast as well. Rebecca, where do you guys live? We live in Tennessee. Yeah. And, and tell me a little. Tell us a little bit about you, your age, how many kids you have, how you heard about the Tummy Team, anything you want to start with. Okay, well, I am 36, and I am mom to five kiddos, um, nine, six, three-year-old twins, and now a three-month-old, and um, I actually heard about the Tummy Team. This is really funny. It was actually a long time ago um, after I had my second baby, which she was 11 and a half pounds, and that's part of my story. Um, but, 11 and a half pounds. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And that was, that, this is part of my journey. Um, and I was actually really struggling after having her. Um, I didn't really know what diastasis recti was. Um, I was just starting to discover it from all the physical problems that I was having. And a friend that I went to college with was in this like mommy Facebook group with me. And she suggested the tummy team splint. Um, and so I actually, I got the splint. I was like completely sold on this splint. Um, I, I honestly can't tell you how much money and how many I tried. It was a lot. Um, but I love the splint. But that's kind of as far as I took it at that point. Um, that was after my second. And so um, that's how I originally heard about you guys. And my journey kind of goes from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, that's not uncommon. Um, a lot of times people have heard something about splinting or feel like, oh, my gosh, I just need something to hold me together. I need yeah. I need a wrap. I need some kind of brace. And there are a lot of different options out there. We love our splint, too, because it fits the most number of people. It's fairly comfortable. I mean, as far as splints going, go but very supportive and it still lets you move. Right. So it's not super restrictive so you can't actually bend and do different things Um, but you know the splint is only a component of our rehab process and we try to say that you know we don't want people to think oh you just get the splint it's going to solve everything um we we say it's about a fifth of our rehab process um, and even when we sell the splints, we say we don't encourage people to do splinting without doing rehab. But the reality is sometimes that's the only thing you can comprehend at the time. It's mm-hmm. like the only thing you can do is I need something to help me and I can't, 
uh, I can't mentally engage in anything else right now because my body is falling apart. My family has these high level of needs. Um, So I think that, you know, it did plant a seed for you. You knew that we had more than just splints, but at the time the splint was what you could do. What, what happened next? Okay. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background to kind of tell you how I got to this place. Um, so we, we were actually, um, we struggled with infertility, me and my husband for about two years. Um, and we finally found out what the problem was and, um, we found out it was male infertility and he had like this miraculous healing essentially, which was crazy. After two years, we got pregnant with an IUI and we miscarried about a week into that pregnancy. Um, and they told us, well, don't get pregnant, give yourself a month off, give your body a month off. And we thought, well, we don't need to prevent this. It, obviously, we can't really get pregnant. And then we got oh. pregnant. <laughs> um, you know, so we don't need birth control because we, we are infertile. Exactly. And then we were pregnant with, by a surprise pregnancy. It was incredible. Um, so I had my daughter and fast forward, totally normal pregnancy. I was very uncomfortable at the end, um, but I was like super into fitness at that point. Um, I didn't know anything about core fitness, really. <laughs> um, I know a lot more now, but um, I had my water uh, broke. I used to go to Zumba all the time and I was 38 weeks pregnant and doing Zumba. And I think that was not smart. And my water broke. And um, so I had her early, but my labor never started. And it's an extremely long story. Two and a half days later, still hadn't had her. Uh, uh, and um, I started developing a fever. And um, at this point, my body was starting to push, but they were worried about an infection. So I went back for a C-section. And um, had all these very strange symptoms afterwards um, that they kept telling me was normal. Um, I got kind of bullied. I didn't know um, what was normal after a C-section and what wasn't because it was my first. And I was in extreme levels of pain. Um, but unfortunately, the hospital I was at just thought I was a pill seeker and told me if I went to the ER, my baby would probably get sick and die. And oh, gosh. Yeah, it was it was a really bad situation, which led to me not getting treatment for two and a half weeks. They found out I had eight abscesses the size of grapefruits in my abdomen and um, a ton more abscesses. And they thought that I was going septic and they thought I was going to die. Um, and this is this is a couple of weeks after your first baby is born. Yeah. after you have That long, long labor that ended yeah. Oh goodness! Yeah, it was really hard start to mother. Yes. Um, Then I had multiple surgeries. Some of them were unsuccessful because the infection was so thick. They ended up having to like they couldn't do it. Like they tried several different surgeries and they just wouldn't work. So they ended up having to do a more invasive surgery. And I was in the hospital till six weeks postpartum. Um, thankfully, I was not in the ICU because they wanted me to be able to see my baby. So they like corned off, quarantined off like this section of a floor so that I could like bring my baby in. Um, and but I I had multiple other surgeries while I was there. My lung collapsed. Um, I had a pick line. And then that led to a hernia. 
So then this was like in March and April of 2012. Then in December I, of that same year, I had a hernia repair. Um, and unfortunately, oh, we found no. out once I quit nursing, um, my daughter, she was like 13 or 14 months oh, old. No. We did um, some tests to see like what um, was the state of my <laughs> insides at this point. Um, and unfortunately, we found that the scar tissue had um, blocked my fallopian tubes. And so I was um, no longer able to have children again. <laughs> um, oh so <laughs> we decided to do IVF um, because we really wanted more children. And everyone told us we were crazy, but we just really wanted more kids. And um, so at that point, we had some frozen embryos and the first attempt was successful and we froze the rest of the embryos. And then I was having a super normal pregnancy up until about 32 weeks. I was measuring on track and then I went in at 34 weeks and all of a sudden I was measuring 40 weeks. And um, looking back, we suspect that I had undiagnosed gestational diabetes. They sent me to the high risk doctor. Everything always kept coming back normal. But lo and behold, I ended up with an 11 and a half pound baby. Wow. And yeah. This baby, I just, I was so determined to have a VBAC with her because of my horrible experience with my first. Really scary C-section recovery. So I can understand. But did you know it was 11 and a half pounds when you were trying no. for a VBAC? Oh, gosh. I okay. did not. I did not. And my doctor was super supportive. He was the only VBAC doctor in town. And he was just so supportive of me. And he said, well, we'll try. We'll just keep like a super close monitoring on you. And we knew that she was big. We just didn't know how big. And so she wouldn't descend. <laughs> and then we, I ended up with another C-section after about almost 24 hours of labor again. <laughs> and um, that recovery, obviously, I wasn't sick, but the recovery was really, really rough um, from having done labor and having had that big of a baby. And that's when I started having all these problems. Um, I had extreme lower back pain. Um, my abdomen was really hurting. Um, and I just, I, something didn't feel right. Like my body just was not functioning. And I fell into postpartum depression, um, which I had been depressed after my first as well. But I thought that it was situational um, because it was like a really terrible situation. It was really traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And this one was traumatic in a different way because you didn't have the vaginal birth you wanted and you did have to have a C-section when you were afraid of that, but not traumatic with the same kind of birth recovery. But sometimes postpartum depression just even when we don't have anything traumatic happening. It's, you know, it's unexpected at times. Yeah. Right. And Looking back, I wish I would have known this was a pattern um, because I, that comes into play later. But um, so I had postpartum depression and I just I looked pregnant. I looked so pregnant all the time. I had oh. lost off a lot of my weight and people would constantly ask me, when are you due? And I, it was honestly just really demoralizing. And I had always been thin and fit. And so it was, it was just a hard season for me. Um, I was already depressed. And then 
it just, you know, I kept having to tell people, oh, I'm not pregnant. I just look like I am. And um, it was it was just a really know. It's so hard. I actually wrote a blog on why we don't ask people if they're pregnant. Like, there's so you never know somebody's story. Right. Like, I mean, I had lost a lot of babies. So I pretty much looked pregnant for like, I don't know, 10 years because I either was pregnant or I had just had a baby or I had just lost a baby and you just don't know somebody's story. And it was so painful for me. Uh, So painful for me to have to, I I had all different kinds of answers. Sometimes I would just play along and say, you know, six months from now, sometimes I would, you know, I would tell them flat out, I just lost a baby. Like I, I felt like I was trying to protect everybody else's feelings, but nobody cared about my feelings. And I, depending on the mood I was in, sometimes I would just say the thing that would not protect their feeling, but maybe would keep them from ever asking another woman that again. You know, yes. <laughs> more of it, like, why do people think they have the right to ask about another person's body parts? Or I, I think that some people genuinely like want to be excited about your pregnancy and you know and I get that but but knowing what I know now I think it's just important to not assume you know anything about you know but it can be so painful so okay go on yes (laughs) so yes absolutely I I can relate so much but um so basically for after her I tried a lot of online programs and I um, found some good ones, um, but they required a lot of time. And as a mom of two young children, that was something that I would, you know, I would start out and I would say, I'm going to do this. And then a week or two in, I would just get burned out where I couldn't complete the hour long, you know, exercises that needed to happen. And so I would just give up. <laughs> um, and I really didn't see much progress during those times anyways. And so it was discouraging. Hard so I Yeah. So I just basically um, wore a splint or try to find a splint. <laughs> like you said, I just was not in the mental place to address it. Well, then after that, we had these, we had five frozen embryos left. And before we had done the IVF, we had committed to transferring all of them. Um, So we transferred one. um, And tragically, my brother actually died the same day that we were scheduled to do the transfer. um, And that transfer didn't work. Obviously, that was a really rough time. And then the next one didn't stick. And so the next time we said, well, let's transfer two, because we've had two failed attempts. And so we said, let's transfer two. And Something in my gut told me if I do this, I'm going to have twins. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what happened. Um, we went to the ultrasound. We we're so excited. And there was twins. <laughs> so I was I was equal parts excited and terrified. Um, especially, but, you know, honestly, you had an 11 and a half pound baby. That's almost like what <laughs> most twins end up being born at. <laughs> Uh, well, that's what everybody told me. But, but that's yeah. not your story, right? Yeah, I, I have superpowers to grow massive babies, apparently. Everybody kept telling me, oh, they'll be small. It's twins. And, you know, I was worried because I thought, you know, I'm not in as good a shape as I had been. And I knew my core was really weak. Um, 
And <laughs> sure enough, I did not have small twins. Um, when they were born, one was seven pounds and one was seven and a half, and they were born at 36 weeks. Um, <laughs> so they wow. would have been huge. Um, and that pregnancy was horrible. It was awful. I, I honestly, and I feel terrible complaining because I didn't really have that many complications. Like I was like this healthy lady carrying around massive twins. And I kept thinking, surely something will go wrong and they will take them out. And no, I just kept going and going. But I, by about 28 weeks, I was full term size. And then I just kept getting bigger. And by 32 weeks, I couldn't walk. Basically, I would run from the couch to a chair, or I'd run from the kitchen or not run waddle very slowly, but I, I could only go super short distances. Like I was in constant pain. Like, I, I don't even know to, how to describe it. Was the pain in your low back, in your stomach, yes. in your in your pelvis, or all of the above? Um, it was basically low back pain and abdominal pain. Like, constant, nonstop. There was no relief. And I was swollen. And, I mean, I was just miserable. I, I would literally get up and cry. Like, why am I awake? And I would pray that God would, like, help me make it through the next hour. Like, it was just awful. Um, but it was mainly back pain. Like, that was the worst part of it and the abdominal pain. So I, once again, had my same super V-back supportive doctor. And he said, let's do it. Let's, let's have be back with twins. Um, and, and he, he does be backs all the time. So I felt very like supported by him. Of course, he wanted me in the hospital right away to monitor me and everything was looking great. And I got to seven centimeters. The labor was going great. And then baby a who has to come out first, he turned transverse. <laughs> like right before I hit transition. So here I am going back for another C-section and the recovery from this was even worse than my recovery from my 11 and a half pound baby. Um, I couldn't walk for almost three weeks. I was in constant pain it was, and this was like pain from the C-section, pain from my back. I couldn't barely hold them and now I had two babies to hold and I I was trying to nurse them and I mean I literally was just I lived in a world of pain like and I just thought this is my new reality um and then I got severe postpartum depression after them and I finally sought help this time and I wish that I would have sought help all the other times but this time I I knew I needed help. And so I got some medication and that at least helped me <laughs> with that aspect. But a year went by and I was still in a ton of pain. Two years went by. And finally, I told myself, okay, I'm going to do something about this. So I actually went to physical therapy two different times. Um, and both times they did help. Um, the second time helped a lot when I was about two years postpartum. Um, but I still, the back pain just would not stop. I was just, it always, my back was always hurting. Um, and I did about three or four more online programs 
Oh, and I actually like completed them and and it was super overwhelming to me um, because they do. They just require a lot of time. And I just at that point, I was even in a worse place. We were homeschooling and five kids, you know, or four kids. But my oldest was five. Right. Um, and so right. it was just, it was a rough season. Um, so we still had one embryo left at this point about two years postpartum and we had committed that we we're going to transfer all of them at this point I was terrified to have another baby I um knew I was gonna probably end up with a c-section I still wanted to try for a VBAC um but that's harder to find a supportive doctor my doctor had actually retired at that point and um, the research isn't as strong supporting VBACs after three C-sections. It's coming along, actually, but um, there's not much research. Um, but I still wanted to try it if I felt it was safe. Um, and But I was terrified of that probable fourth C-section. And I was also... Um, really scared because after I had the twins about a year after I had them, I got another infection. Um, and it was an infection because my, like I had said before, my fallopian tubes had been blocked and they had toxic fluid building up in them. And my doctor had actually told me that I needed to get them removed. And I just didn't want to have another abdominal surgery. Yeah. I thought I just can't have another abdominal surgery. So I didn't get them removed and then they got infected and I had no idea. And all of a sudden one night I was on the floor throwing up in severe pain and we rushed to the emergency room and sure enough, I had another abscess. Um, <laughs> talk about some major trauma right there and some flashbacks. So much trauma to your tummy. So much trauma to your tummy. I mean, the list goes on and on. <laughs> so I, um, I had, and then they tried to do laparoscopic surgery and they couldn't because I had so much scar tissue in my abdomen that the air would not go into my abdomen. So okay. they, I went under thinking I was having laparoscopic surgery and I woke up and they had reopened my C-section incision and they had tried to remove my tube and they couldn't get it out because it was so infected. And then they found the other one was actually infected, just not as badly. And so they were able to get that one out and they just um, lacerated the other one. So you have this, uh, that a, a traumatic surgery to, for your fallopian tubes. And, and then about a year later, you're deciding to transfer the last embryo, which is this little William here, right? Yes. Okay. So I, yes. And that was leaving me has not healed at this point. Your body has not, you've done some work, some rehab, some programs, um, still not the tummy team. Right. No. Uh, but that's okay. We're going to get there. Um, yeah. and, uh, your body, was your body a little bit better or was it still, still struggling? I was I was a little bit better than I had been um, like a year postpartum, but I still wasn't even back to where I had been after I had had my second, which was still in a pretty bad place. So I would say like, yes, I had improved some, but my plan at that point was I was going to transfer this last embryo and, you know, I didn't know if I would get pregnant or not. 
And um, then if I did get pregnant or didn't, the plan was once I had healed either way that I was going to have surgery. Um, I thought I'm going to have to have the surgery where they, I don't even know what it's called, where they sew your abdomen together. Right. Like an abdominal reconstructive surgery. Yes. I thought that is literally the only way that I'm not going to be living in pain. And I thought I'm, you know, I, I just can't live in pain the rest of my life. And so I was terrified to have another surgery. And they actually, they apparently have to place a drain. And that's like a huge trigger for me. Because when I had my abscesses, I had five drains placed. And it was just like a huge trigger. And I thought, I, I don't know if I can do this surgery, but I also don't, I, I don't want to live in pain for the rest of my life. And I really had given up at that point. And you tried a lot of things. It's not like, yes. it's not like you were like, jumping at at some kind of surgery as your first line of defense. I mean, you've really tried a lot of things. Yeah. I, I had tried so many things and I had spent so much money, so much money um, trying all these different things. And I just, at that point, I was like, there's just no hope. Um, and so, and I was, um, when I did get pregnant, I was super excited to have another baby, but I also was terrified. <laughs> um, and I thought, I cannot have another pregnancy like my second and my twins. I thought I'm I'm not going to make it. I now have four kids and I just, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this pregnancy. So I decided I was going to do everything I could. And so I started doing all this research and I got back on your website to see if you had a splint for pregnancy. I, I really had not done much looking into it. And I started reading that, oh, you can wear the same splint while you're pregnant. So that's what I did. I, I wore it while I was pregnant and I did some exercises. Um, I have a, a exercise program that I love. I don't know if we're allowed to say the name or not. Um, I, I do Moms Into Fitness with Lindsay Brin and she does um, a lot of diastasis friendly workouts and a lot of um, pregnancy workouts. And so I um, did that and I loved her. She really kept me in shape. But I, as I got bigger, you know, I don't have a core at this point. My core is so damaged at this point. I started having a lot of back pain again. Um, and it was just getting worse and worse. And um, so at that, about this time is when I reached out to you and asked you about the splint sizing. I, I emailed Kelly and um, said, should I get a bigger splint or not? That was my question. I didn't have any questions about the program because at this point I had tried everything and I didn't want to try something else. I, I, I'd given up. And so I just said, I need enough. I need a bigger split. Here's how far I am. Here's what the sizes are. And Kelly emailed me back and said, well, have you thought about trying our program? And I told her, no, I didn't want to try it because I tried a bunch of programs and they didn't help. And quite frankly, I didn't have time for them. And so she emailed me back and said, okay, that, you know, that's fine. But let me just send you a little video of a preview and our programs actually integrate into your life. And it's more of rehab versus like exercises that you have to do. So this got my attention and I thought, okay, I still have two months left of pregnancy and obviously this isn't going anywhere good at this point. It's just going downhill from here. And so I thought, okay, what what the heck? I might as well give it a try. I, I said, I've tried everything else. 
So that is when I thought I had talked to my husband. I said, it's going to be more money. You know, I've already spent like who knows how much money on all these programs. And he said, do it. So I said, okay. So I signed up to do it. And I honestly came into it thinking like, this is going to be the exact same thing as everything else. And I've just wasted however much money I pay. <laughs> like, I really thought that. But I thought, okay. So I watched a lot of optimism. Logism, right? Right. We reluctantly purchased prenatal core training. <laughs> right. Exactly. We'll make it. We'll see what we can do with that. And I, so I thought, here we go. So I said, well, I'll at least watch it. And I watched the video the first weeks, and that is like I immediately knew it was different because it was. First of all, explaining to me more of what was actually happening. And that's something that had never clicked for me. Like I knew my abs were separated, but that I never understood really like all the different things that were going on. So that was a big deal. And then when I. It's a lot of education in that first week. And, um, you know, and that's always kind of like that sticky thing because a lot of people are just, just tell me what to do. Um, but we, we really are advocates for that education, right? Because if this is something that's going to be fixed, that we have to partner together and you have to know as much of the information as I know for that to happen. Right. And you have to, um, understand the anatomy and understand why we do things differently and why the little things we're going to ask you to do are important, especially when we do them correctly. And I feel like it can be so validating. We, we start to believe a lot of lies like, oh, my body's just broken. I just, I, I'm weak. I just, um, I don't, I don't have great pregnancies. I can't birth a baby. We start to believe a lot of things based on what our body has been telling us. And you've had so much trauma at this point and have been living in chronic pain. So mm-hmm. chronic pain also distorts our ability to process normal movement patterns because everything you've powered, you had to power through everything. Um, and the chronic pain also increases high levels of cortisol in your body, a lot of stress hormone, which actually keeps your body from healing and can make it very difficult for muscles to build. So you're kind of living in a environment that is setting you up to struggle right but you don't even know why you just feel like and nobody's telling you why they just give you more exercises with the best intentions but if you don't know why it's really hard to make it to the next step so so you watch the videos you could tell it was different did you start doing some of the stuff I asked you to do in week one I did I I was like, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it all in, right? So (laughs) I was like, okay, if I'm going to give it a shot, I have to give it an honest try. So I told my, and I did, I told my family, I was like, this is what I'm doing. I need you guys to like help hold me accountable. And I need this chunk of time to watch the videos. Um, So the first week, even I started feeling different. Um, I just started like, oh, oh, I do still have a core. And I had come into it thinking I'm broken. Like, there's no coming back from this. So then the thing that really, honestly, this, I hate to be so melodramatic as to say it was life changing. But honestly, it was because when I watched, 
I can't remember what week it was. I think it was the second week. And you started talking about um, touching your abdomen, just like touching your abdomen. And I looked back on the last nine years and subconsciously I knew this, but I never really like admitted it, but I would not let anyone get near my abdomen. I would, even when I gave people hugs, it would be like this weird arm hug because I didn't want anyone to touch my abdomen. I always held my children like on my side. Like even when I was sitting down, I would always like push them really far to the side so they wouldn't be touching any part of my abdomen. Um, And I never looked at my abdomen like in the mirror. I wouldn't look at it. Um, And I never touched it. I, and I felt like that, if anybody even barely grazed it, that it was extremely painful to me. Yeah. So you, I mean, this is, this is so, so much more common than you think, but people don't know that they're doing They You didn't make a conscious decision in the beginning to do this. It was a way that you were, you disconnected and you were protecting this really sad place, right. And this really yeah. tender place and that just hap- that continued for nine years. So mm-hmm. when you said that in week one, wait, I actually have a core. The fact that you could even start to feel things moving in week one when you hadn't touched, looked at, or allowed anything to touch your stomach for nine years is pretty remarkable and uncommon. Most people, it takes them at least three weeks to get to even feel it, right? Well, They'll get yeah. there. But then, okay, so I start talking to you about, I know exactly the video you're talking about. It's not the emotional connection to the core, although I'm sure that that struck a couple chords for you. It was the abdominal massage and telling you that part of your homework is to rub your tummy a couple of times a day and and even just put your hands on your tummy. Um, And that's like people, some people are like, nope. That's it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, and if they can get, if they can trust me and move to the next step, that those people that say, no, I can't touch my tummy. Oh, once they can touch their tummy, it is like changing. It changes the whole direction of their ability to connect with their core. And the core is the part that holds your whole body together. So as silly as it sounds, it doesn't have to be complicated to be effective, right? Right. Right. And I think that, and so I was actually one of those people that I was like, I can't do this. I can't touch my abdomen. And so I finally, I mean, I had to work up the courage. I was in the shower and I like used some of my like shower gel, like my non-toxic shower gel that I love. And that I finally like touched my abdomen then. Um, and, it, and I was bawling. I was, I was so just, it really affected me. Um, but so then I started, I did all the exercises and I really was starting to feel a lot of relief. I was still splinting. Um, I continued to splint through the rest of my pregnancy just because I felt like I needed it. I didn't do it 24 seven, but I did it whenever I, I knew I was going to be on my feet a lot. Um, and, uh, so the, and I didn't start doing this program until about 32 weeks. Well, around 35. And at this point I had, um, decided I was going to go for my VBAC after three C-sections. I had found a supportive provider 
and my and we had just been praying the whole time like if we're not supposed to do this let it be really obvious like if this is not going to be safe for me or the baby let it be really obvious um so around 35 weeks we went to an ultrasound because I felt like he had changed positions and sure enough he had flipped transverse he had been head down almost the whole time and he had flipped transverse and I immediately started disconnecting from my core like I felt really angry at my body and I felt like my body's failing me again and But this time I like had the awareness of what I was doing. It was the craziest thing because it was my defense mechanism was I was angry at my body and I could have completely derailed myself at that point. And I think I would have if I hadn't have had that awareness. And to be honest, I did for about a week. I was just like, I'm not doing any more exercises. I'm like so heartbroken about this. Um but then I got it together <laughs> and started doing the exercises again. Um, and Did you notice a difference in your back pain at this point? Was it helping you back pain? It was helping me so much. Um, and I also noticed all my other pregnancies, I was so miserable at the end. I had swelling, like horrible swelling with all my pregnancies. And I didn't have any swelling at all. Like I was up and moving around. and. Um, by the time it got to the end of my pregnancy, every other pregnancy, I had been so miserable. Like, I can't tell you how miserable I was at the end of my pregnancies. And with him, I thought he must be a smaller baby. Like, it, I didn't even make the connection. I thought he must just be a lot smaller. And that's why I'm not as miserable. But I thought, oh, here I am 39 weeks. And I still feel okay. I didn't, you know, obviously, I was super tired, like sleepy, like I would just fall asleep all the time. <laughs> um But like, I wasn't in a ton of pain, like I was still going out and doing things like we went to an apple orchard. And by the end of that, my back was hurting, of course. But I was like, on my feet walking up this super steep hill. And people were like, other people were stopped on the side, because it was like, so steep, and they were out of breath. And they were all like, how can you do this? Because I was like, really far along at that point. Um, it was probably a couple of weeks before I had him and I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm uncomfortable, but <laughs> you know, what's interesting. And we, I say this a lot is, um, it's funny. You were, you were stronger, you were feeling better, but you weren't connecting it to what you were doing. And it's so funny because we are such a negative feedback system. We are so aware of pain, of discomfort, of of leakage, of all the negative things when our body is breaking, but completely oblivious when our body is functioning well, right? Like we don't even, we don't even like celebrate that it's able to do the things it's able to do. And, and especially when you had been so miserable for like nine years and it's better (laughs) and you're not quite connecting the dots of how, what, what was different in this pregnancy, you know, because I think you had just believed that my body's broken and you didn't allow yourself to see my body is capable of strength and healing, um, which it was doing with some really subtle things that I asked you to do. And maybe it's because our program is so subtle that it's like, well, that can't be the thing that fixed it. Right. Sitting right. there, can't fix this. <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm not doing an hour worth of exercises every day. So obviously nothing must be changing because I'm not like putting my nose to the grindstone and striving here. <laughs> right. Yet I am doing better. 
like you see it in hindsight, right? You can talk about it now and it's so glaringly obvious. Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> so did you end up having a C-section with William? So I did. So he was, he actually was in an unstable lie. So he would, it was a very dramatic ending. He would flip head down and we would go in for an ultrasound. He'd be head down. And then like the next day he would be sideways. And then the next day he would be breached. So I got diagnosed with unstable really? lie. He was swimming around in the swimming pool. <laughs> he was. He he just and you know this is what we asked for. We asked if I was supposed to have a C-section. It would be really clear and and I also had super high fluid and so they said like you're out of the swimming pool. You created right. a swimming pool. You had a little extra fluid and he was a swimmer <laughs> and he loved it. He loved it. So. um I, at the end, I was at peace with it. It was still very, very scary for me. Um, and a big part was thinking of like the recovery because every recovery had gotten worse and worse. And I thought, you know, now I'm going to have five kids. What am I going to do now? And um, my mom had been my big support person through all my other postpartums. And she had been diagnosed with cancer and she had a brain tumor and she had to have brain surgery. Thankfully, she's fine now. But this was all happening at the end of my pregnancy and just a lot of upheaval and thinking, okay, well, now I'm going to have a C-section. What am I going to do if I can't walk for three weeks? Um, And then I can't take care of a baby. So... I went in, I had this C-section. It was actually a really healing experience. It was planned. And um, and I had made my peace with it before I got there. I think that that's one of the things that I have talked a lot of, um, a lot of clients through, actually. The difference between an emergency C-section and a planned C-section. Um, and there is a difference. I mean, it's still a surgery. But the difference is in your mentality, because you, when you have a plan C-section, you actually have quite a bit of control over the situation. You can put a lot of your requests and a lot of your preferences in, and you can have a lot more control over what's going to happen. And it's that lack of out of control, fear, something might go wrong with me and the baby mixed with my body failed me again, you know, that feeling, but it that really makes that unexpected um, emergency type C-section um, really hard, a, a different experience. So, so I feel like, I think that's valid to talk about that having that planned C-section, even though you had to grieve it and you were angry and you disconnected for a little bit, but you did have a clear sign that this was the direction you needed to go. So it was, you chose to go this way. Mm-hmm. And then you made some other choices. So I'm glad that that was healing for you. Um, and yeah. I think it's important for people to hear that that it can be healing. And how was your how was your birth recovery? So that's that's the thing. I was like, I have to tell people about this because, um, like I said, all my recoveries have been progressively worse and worse. I mean, my husband, he's actually a disability attorney, and he told me you would qualify for disability. Like if you were my client and had I'm um, a stay at home mom, but he was like, if you had a job, you would be like you would qualify for disability. Like that's in what rough shape I've been in. And I, I, I can't even describe to you the difference. So I was literally... Like the the surgery part was still really hard and I was still in a lot of pain from my C-section. 
But within a day or two, I was holding him and I didn't have a fear of my abdomen. And like my tummy was just like shrinking at this rapid rate that most normal people's stomachs would shrink at afterwards instead of, you know, like just like hanging out and not doing anything. Um, And I was able to carry him around pretty quickly. Um, I was still really careful because I knew that my tummy was like not as strong, you know, still. So I was more careful this time, but I am now, he just, he's actually four months old today. (laughs) And with all my other recoveries, it's taken me at least a year, at least a year to feel like I can do anything. Like I, with my other recoveries, I have not left the house because getting all the kids into the car hurt my back too bad. Um, I haven't been able to go on walks because it hurt my back too bad. I haven't really been able to like take care of the baby much beyond what I, the bare minimum. Like I couldn't enjoy that time because I was in constant pain. Changing a diaper would hurt my back. Breastfeeding always hurt my back. Like everything hurt my back. Like I, I, there was nothing that didn't make it worse. And so I was really depressed and I didn't go anywhere. And I, we just like quit life (laughs) because I, I couldn't do anything. And with him, um, we have been out and about like, and now I load my five kids into the car and go places. And like, he's only four months old. And I like, we're already like, okay, well, we haven't been to Disney in so long. Let's plan a Disney trip. And I feel like I can do that. Like we're not going, but (laughs) hopefully sometime in the future, like we're thinking about these things and I'm not scared that I won't be able to like enjoy them or that I'll hold back the family because I'm in so much pain. Um, And I, I feel like I'm not putting into words like how different it is. And it's made such a big impact on us because my husband can now go to work and he's not worried about me. And this is the first postpartum time that that has ever happened where he's been able to go to work and feel like, yeah, I'm sure you might be having a rough day, but he's not worried about my physical safety that he might come home and I'm like bedridden with kids, you know, um, and he literally remarks to me at least like two or three times a week. I can't believe how different this is. Um, my clothes fit in two weeks. Like within two weeks, I was back in my jeans. And yes, I have the baby weight to lose. <laughs> um, so they are tighter. But every single other time, I literally haven't been able to wear a pair of pants for at least a year and a half. Yeah. Because I was so like my diastasis was so bad. And do you think, do you think that like when somebody's listening to this, they're like, well, what is it? What was the thing? It couldn't have been just rubbing your tummy um, or wearing a splint. Do you think it was, what do you think it was? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What do you think was like the key thing that um, has made a big difference? If you can. I have thought about this, actually. I've been very, because it's been such an extreme difference that I'm like, I have to like think about this like what happened um and I think the fact so there there's twofold for me the fact that it's stuff that you can work into your life and so I'm not feeling this pressure of I have to cut out 
an entire hour every day to do these exercises or I'm not going to make any progress. And that's to me, that's just so discouraging that I almost always would end up just stopping and not doing anything. And with this program, you give me those cues to when to do stuff. And it's stuff that I do every day. So like if I'm driving, I'll be sitting in the car doing the transverse holds. And I can do that every day that I can be consistent at that or the stretches. Like you say, do this while you're brushing your teeth. So now I have a little weight that I just roll up under my counter. And then whenever I'm brushing my teeth, I roll it out and I do my count stretches. Um, and so it's something that, I mean, like, I am super. One of the big things was the consistency. We taught, we showed you how to be consistent in real life things, but it's not just the consistency. It is. I mean, obviously consistency is probably the number one thing that makes anybody successful in anything, but it was the functional integration. We made it consistent. Mm -hmm. And then it was also not just, did you do the exercise in the car, but now you sit differently in the car. Right yes, now absolutely. you stand differently in front of the bathroom sink. Now you stand differently at the changing table. Hi. We start building in how your core is actually designed to work in real life, not just in fitness. And and I think yeah, that that's a key piece for a lot of people. So yeah, so that piece and the fact that like if I didn't do the transverse holds one day, it wasn't like this massive thing that I missed them. It was okay, well we've kind of built this into the program. So I can just do it again tomorrow because it's not like this huge requirement of time. It's while I'm driving or sitting at the table eating or um but the other big thing for me was um understanding how things are working and I've actually been doing the core foundations and I just watched the video about the rib cage well every single program that I've done has talked about the rib cage but I never understood like I thought I just had to force my rib cage into the right position and that's what I'd always been trying to do and I I didn't understand first of all why it was important and then whenever I tried to force my rib cage into the correct position, it was so uncomfortable that I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can do this for 10 seconds. And that's about as long as I'm going to do it. And I don't even know why it really matters. So I'm just not going to, like, keep trying to do this. And so when you explained, okay, here's how you get your rib cage to move. Like, this light bulb went off in my head. of Especially like about your parenting postures for the last 10 years, right? Yes. Like yes. had anybody said your ribs, your rib cage is not in a good posture because your pecs are tight and your neck is tight from looking yeah. down at rolling babies. So let's release some of those muscles and adjust maybe how some of your parenting postures to help you get into neutral rib cage so that your ribs, because when you have neutral pelvis and neutral rib cage, then your transverse, which is your God-given girdle, your corset, naturally activates which is what it should be because it's a postural muscle you know that should unconsciously somewhat not disconnected but should naturally hold you up and hold you together right so right yeah the why is really important for you huh yeah because it just it was something that encouraged me to keep going and helped me know why it was important to actually spend the time to figure out how to like 
make the proper adjustments that I could live with instead of just saying, oh, this is too hard and I don't understand how it works and I don't know why it's important. So I'm just going to move on <laughs> and focus on a different aspect. And hopefully that'll help me. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You have a great story. I mean, it's hard to say because you had such a hard hard story but a great recovery now like when you're on the other side of it you can look back and go oh my gosh look at what my body was capable of I mean even with all of the pain discomfort the surgeries your body was capable of a lot and I think that we can quickly look at all the ways it was broken but uh, what I see is you have five children you know, and you're thinking about Disneyland, you know? <laughs> so I mean, this is, uh, it's remarkable that you are, you have your life back. And I feel like fertility and um, motherhood can be a little bit of a murky season where you kind of, you can lose sight of yourself a little bit. Um. And, and lose yourself a little bit. And it's hard to be strong and connected when you can't, you're so other focused and you can't really feel yourself. And I feel like that's what I see in you. And this whole time we've been having this interview, you've been taking care of a four month old baby on your lap. You've been holding him and rocking him and jiggling him and nursing him. And, and you're doing that the whole time we're having this interview. That's pretty remarkable and you don't look like you're in pain. You have a smile on your face. I'm sure your body is tired because motherhood is exhausting. Right. But um, it's really, it's really inspiring. And it's really cool. And I love that we got to be a part of it. And I'm sorry that it took to your to your last pregnancy for that right. to happen. Um, but I'm glad that you are where you're you're at where you're at. Do you? Do you like it's hard? You can't rewrite the past, but do you wish that you had done this earlier in your pregnancies, or do you feel like you wouldn't have been? It's not like you didn't try stuff. Do you feel like you just couldn't, wouldn't have been in a headspace to do something new? What do you think about? Um, no, I absolutely wish that I would have done this earlier um, because I think, like, I know that postpartum depression, a lot of it is hormone driven, um, but I think mine was compounded with the hormones, my hormones were out of whack. And then I was also in constant pain. And I was also really disappointed because I, I never got to enjoy a baby. Like, because I was in so much pain, I never got to enjoy any of my children. And I feel like that had just been taken from me. And I'd always wanted to have babies. And I always looked around and saw other moms doing this, holding a baby, jiggling them, having fun. You know, obviously, yes, my muscles are tired. <laughs> my arms are tired from holding, but I'm not in pain. Like, I'm just like, uh, who else wouldn't be tired from holding a moving weight? You know, like, right. and this is literally the first time where I've been able to enjoy a baby. And so I feel so blessed that I got this experience, first of all, because I missed out on so much. Um, but yes, oh my gosh, I wish that I would have done this so long ago, because then I may have been able to enjoy all of my other children, instead of living life in pain. And like, my oldest daughter, she is about to turn nine this month. And 
she like I'm taking all of my kids to swim lessons. So we started this month taking everyone to swim lessons. Like that's a lot of kids to take swim lessons. And I had never been able to take them to swim lessons before because I was just too tired and in too much pain and too overwhelmed and I couldn't do it. And this time I'm like, oh yeah, I have a newborn, but let, I'm doing swim lessons because we're going to, you know, teach you how to swim. And she told me, you know, mom, I wish I would have learned to swim a lot earlier. And, you know, you have that like huge mom guilt. But like looking back, I'm like, yeah, the reason I didn't do that is because I was living life in pain and I truly couldn't. And so, I mean, it truly has just given me my life back and there's just nothing. And so, yeah, I I do wish that I would have done this after my first, even when I had all that trauma, because I think I did have diastasis recti then, and it just was kind of masked from all the other problems. (laughs) There was a lot going on back then. Yes. Well, I think that you sharing your story um, will help other women seek help sooner. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, our, our whole, our whole reason of, of doing this podcast is to share people's journeys because we can connect to each other. Nobody's going to have the exact same story as you, right? But they may have pieces of it. And even moments that you said, you know, just the, 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 the depression, you know, that you had were grieving so much and that led to that depression and how your chronic pain affected the type of mom that you were able to be at the time and how that's been really hard. Um, and just recognizing the difference now. And you have lots of time with those kiddos. You have lots of time. I try to encourage mamas because I was really broken in those early years of motherhood myself. Um, and I had a long fertility run um, with a lot of miscarriages. And it was such an overwhelming time in my life. And I had a lot of regrets that I wasn't more present with the kids that I did have because I was always thinking about the kids that I lost. Mm -hmm. Um, My kids now currently are 21, 17, and 13. And Mm -hmm. all they know, all they remember is this strong, confident, emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. They don't remember that early time. And I'm not saying that it, I still don't wish that I was able to be a little bit more emotionally present with them and more physically available. But I, I feel like I've made that up and then some by how I've lived my life now and, Mm -hmm. and how I advocate for that in their lives as well. So you're going to be a mama that can be such an advocate for your children as they get older and as they go into parenting and motherhood and, and to other women. So I want you to know we all have a journey and sometimes it's really rough before it gets better. Um, and in, in my mind, I don't know, like I can look back at all the things that I've gone through and I can see how God has used it to allow me help people that have had fertility or had that broken feeling or have had these things. I feel like I'm a strong person because of that. I still wish I didn't have to go that path. That was the path that I went, right? And so I feel like um, you you, you have a lot to, also you have a lot to 
be grateful for, right? You, you're not going to take advantage of or take for granted this, this season and this stage with this last little one. Right. 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 Yeah. It's just, it's, it is, it's absolutely, it's a journey and it's part of my story now. And yeah, I wish that maybe it was different um, or like maybe I didn't have to go through all that pain, but then, you know, I probably wouldn't have had all these five kids and, you know, like you just, you never know. Um, you never know what your journey is going to look like. Right. Exactly. Well, we, we talked a long time. It's been very great to hear your story and I didn't want to cut you off because I felt like it was important to hear all of it. And, um, I just want to thank you, Rebecca, for being vulnerable and honest and for ultimately taking a chance on our program after I nudged you to do so. I'm so glad that it worked out and I'm excited that you're in Core Foundations now. And um, I'm glad that you're you're getting strong for the life that you were meant to live. It's exciting yeah. for me. Well, thanks for letting me share my story and um, hopefully this encourages someone out there who thinks that who's given up um, or who thinks they've tried everything and that they're just broken. So if I can, I feel like if I can heal from all of this, then there's hope for everybody out there, you know? That's true. And it wasn't that hard to do. I mean, it wasn't that hard to do. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And um, we hope you are well, wherever you are. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. The Tummy Team is committed to validating your story, providing you with relevant practical education to understand your body, and offering effective solutions to live the life you were meant to live. Check out thetummyteam.com to get more information about how we can help you specifically and see if one of our online programs is right for you. You can also follow the Tummy Team on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube to get tips, encouragement, and support.